and Tim. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Tim. Paul, Tim, I'm distressed about oh. something. I, 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 I think that that America's long national nightmare has begun. Oh, okay. Um, we learned this week that three longtime human actors on Sesame Street were shit canned by the man. Shit canned. Shit canned. I is mean, that the word you know, of the day on Sesame Street. That is the that is the word of the day. You know, one, uh, two, uh, three people are fired. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I, number one, when I read the article this week, I, I was stunned that you know that they would so cavalierly fire you know three longtime actors off the show. But I was shocked to my foundation to find out that not only is Gordon still alive? Because I mean, like Gordon was on when I was when I was just but a wee Aaron, uh, uh, but has been on the show continuously for forty five years. Damn. I mean, that is a. I mean, I think that maybe you know Gordon maybe should not have regarded it so much as fired as retired. Because yeah. I mean, <laughs> damn, that's a long time. That's a long time. But you know, Sesame Street's on HBO now. Yes, and so I figure that this is this is just a move to put maybe some some HBO familiar talent on the show. So I'm I'm thinking maybe we see we see familiar characters like maybe Carrie Bradshaw, right, and Tony Soprano, and maybe Cal Drogo. What do you think? I like it. <laughs> I think we need some Johnny drama on there too. <laughs> maybe, maybe he needs a job. Maybe. If I could and, get and, Cal Drago to like slay Snuffleup, I guess that would be pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie, unwatch. <laughs> well, you know, you can just start moving, moving some different characters through. You know, beloved characters like Steve Buscemi from uh, Boardwalk Empire. You know, I mean, who says Sesame Street more than Steve Buscemi? <laughs> he looks like a Muppet. He does. So, you know, <laughs> you could get you could get Bill Maher on there to show kids how to roll their blunt. You know, uh, <laughs> and you know, then there's they they do those Tracy Morgan specials, right? Not Tracy Morgan. Is that her name? The the porn actress? No, oh, Tracy Lords. No, no, no. I, I think her last name is Morgan. But you know, she does the it's sex with Tracy Morgan or whatever it is on uh, on uh, uh, HBO. Think of you a know. real sex Sesame Street special. That's right. You know, and, and the word of the day is rim job. <laughs> anyway, so I, I think I think that's the move that HBO is going to be going for. There, you know, it's going to be real sex Sesame Street. So, a real Sesame Street. <laughs> <sighs> well, Tim, you were you were feeling puny last week, and we're we're glad that you are well. But uh, Wayne is under the weather this week. Uh, hashtag so, week. Hashtag week Wayne. So uh, uh, it's traveling south, though, Aaron. So be, be prepared. Just great. Just great. <laughs> so so week Wayne is that W E E K or W E A K? E W E A K. Hashtag week, week Wayne. Wayne. I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about this week. So stop dicking around, Aaron. Hey, whoa, hey, hey, you're you're the one who's dicking around. You're the one who decided, well, you know, uh, this podcast career didn't get me where I got to go. So I'm going back to school. Yeah, this week I yeah. went back to school. What the hell? Well, you know, I mean, 
I feel like I needed a higher education. And so this week I went to beer school. Ah, Paul, so exciting. Paul and his fancy book learning. <laughs> there was no book. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Whole Foods, I don't have, do you guys have Whole Foods where you are? We do. We call it Whole Paycheck, but yeah, yeah. exactly. It's about right. Um, so Whole, they, you know, Whole Foods is relatively new to the, uh, Tidewater, Virginia Beach area. And, um, the Whole Foods has basically a bar attached to it called The Porch. And I think all Whole Foods have something of the kind. Um, but ours is, um called The Porch, and it's basically like a restaurant, but they also have, I think, eight taps, uh, f- fresh beer taps, that they um, they fill up your growler, or you can get a beer, and they have a full bar, or they have a bar that you can sit and have a beer. Um, they also have, you know, plenty of bottled beer that you can buy, um, like, like, you go to the restaurant, you can get a bite to eat, or and a bottle of beer, and the prices are super cheap, because it's coming straight from the market. So it's not like you're paying, you know, the upcharge of going to a, a, a restaurant and paying $5 for your Bud Light, you're paying basically one-sixth of a six-pack, because you're they're getting it directly from the market, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so this week, they were having a grilled cheese night, and I was like, oh, I want to go. Fancy grilled cheeses. Sign me up. <laughs> Fancy grilled cheeses. Fancy grilled they're cheeses. They're not going to use... They're not going to use Wonder Bread. They're going to use multi-grain bread. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go. And so I uh, I, I went, and um, I had forgotten that every Thursday night they do beer school, which is basically education in either a certain kind of beer or a um, or a certain brewer or something like that. And so it's only six fifty a person, and you get four or five uh, beer tastings with it. And so I, I, I went to beer school, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And it seems like kind of a big thing because, like, all the local breweries are starting to do something similar. Beer school, like, learn about hops, learn about how we do this and that and that kind of thing. So, so it, it is it it is certainly better than anything I learned in my college days. So, did you pass your test? Um, yeah, I think I did. I mean, well, I don't know because <laughs> I think the test was that sour beer, and I got to tell you, I did not finish that shit. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, um, I always felt like my bowling class in college was uh, beer school. Because that was the whole, you know, you, you had to take two, you had to take two PE credits in addition to your kinesiology course. So uh, mine was one of mine was bowling, and the whole reason was like beer and nachos. It's like if I can take a physical fitness course that involves beer and nachos, I am in. Is there a physical fitness test that doesn't involve beer and nachos? <laughs> Pretty sure my tennis class didn't have beer and nachos. Yeah, I, I took tennis as well, and I and, and I have shin splints to show for it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, sad news. I mean, legitimately sad news. I'm not being an asshole. <laughs> Are you sure? Well, I mean, not yet, anyway. Oh, yeah, I, I, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah did no, you hear I... about this? Jerry Doyle, Garibaldi from Babylon 5 died this week. Yeah, the poor man's Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah, realize he, uh, he had a radio show too. Did he? What was his radio show? It was like some like your morning talk with Jerry Doyle. It was I think a oh, conservative really? it, uh, radio show. Gotcha. So it was talk radio. Yeah. Wow. You know, I I always enjoyed him on Babylon Five. I mean, I have a love hate relationship with Babylon Five for a variety of reasons, but uh, I always enjoyed his character on Babylon Five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I'm a fan of Babylon Five. Um, it's and he was it, just, it's hard to revisit. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he uh, he's a fairly young guy. I mean, he was just, I think, 60 yeah, when he passed away. Yeah, he was away. relatively young. I mean, and yeah. now that's uh, Babylon 5, I mean, has lost a decent amount of cast members. Uh, they're they're yeah. certainly not going to be uh, a Babylon 5 the, follow-up. 
Well, I mean, if you're going to do Babylon 5 now, it's either a new cast or a reboot, right? Yeah, I would imagine so. You know, uh, Babylon 5 is one of those properties that, that I always like the idea of more than the execution. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the Shadow War was great. Don't get me wrong. I loves me some Shadow War stuff, but it really loses its way after the Shadow War. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way about most of J. Michael Straczynski's stuff, to be fair. Well, I think J. Michael Straczynski is a great idea guy. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not really the guy to run it across the finish line, in my opinion. Agreed. Because he doesn't he doesn't uh, he, he he thinks of amazing situations, uh, kind of like Fred Saberhawk. I've always felt the same thing about Fred Saberhog and the writer, but uh, Straczynski's great about, you know, this is the scenario, this is the setting, here are the points we should hit, but he's just hideous at writing the way human beings talk. You know, the the dialogue is always so stilted in Babylon 5. But that said, I, I, you know, I enjoy me some Babylon 5. I own it all on DVD. I watch it from time to time. Uh, and and I, it's just a shame about Jerry Doyle because you know he sure did entertain me for a time. He did, he did. Well, let's talk about. I don't know. Is this better news? Worse news? It's certainly not worse. This news. is awesome. Fuck you, Paul. This is awesome. <laughs> How about that? How about that? So no, I, I'm ha- I'm I'm I have mixed feelings. No, about no, no, no. Don't try and fix it now. This is awesome news. And if you don't like it, Paul. You can just go screw yourself. Seems a little harsh, but okay. Well, it's it's that kind of morning. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, you, you come in here with, oh, I'm going to beer school. I'm going to get my doctorate in beer. You know, you're hitting us with your with your advanced degree, talking your shit, and now you're going to crap on the Rocketeer. I'm not going to crap the on the Rocketeer. I love the Rocketeer. What, what the hell is the matter with you? <laughs> I love the Rocketeer. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try and backtrack now. Slip <laughs> flopper. That's what you are. So there is a a new Rocketeer um, in the works at Disney in early development um, that is being looked at as a sequel slash reboot um, that will feature uh, a new Rocketeer. Uh, a, a young African American female will be taking over the title role. Um, it will. You know. They. 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 Ha- it's because it's in early development stages. Um, there's kind of a, you know, they, they haven't really announced much of a creative team other than, um, it's being helm. It says Tendo Nagenda and Chaz Salambier are overseeing the project for Disney. Not sure what, who those people are. Um, and it's, uh, it's being produced by the same people who produced the, the recent Jungle Book movie. Um, and Max Winkler, son of Henry Winkler, is uh, being tasked with uh, co-writing the screenplay. Um, he apparently has worked on episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl. And that's more where my concern comes in <laughs> than it is with... With the, with the Zoe Deschanel aspect to it? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know that I want Zoe Deschanel Rocketeer. Like, I love the Rocketeer. I love that movie. And it wasn't really a hit when it came out. Um, but it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Right. I mean, it, you know, it, yeah. is, it is certainly a cult classic. It found a life on cable TV and home video. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's where like Buckaroo Banzai, that's where it found its audience. You heard Buckaroo Banzai is coming back, too, right? Well, did they get approval? Because the last I saw is that uh, <sighs> Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith was trying to get the rights to do a series on Amazon. Yeah. Has he gotten the rights? I, I, I heard he did. I mean, I'm, wow. I, I'm pretty sure I read that. You know, I think I'm okay with Kevin Smith being involved in that as long as he's the showrunner, not the writer of every episode. 
or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'd agree. Or the or the director for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I will say that in television, the uh, you know you've got a ver- variety of other folks who are responsible for camera angles and whatnot. So the director isn't as key as uh, in film. Uh, I just I, I I it it concerns me that uh, uh, he could fuck that up. <laughs> Very possible. But, well, I, mean, I think it's but, and it's going to be an Amazon show, I believe. Yes, Amazon. It'll be on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, no. I on the on the one hand, I'm really excited about it, but I loves me some Buckaroo Bonsai. I love me some Buckaroo Bonsai, and just a little worried about where it goes. And I am also worried about the Rocketeer. Is where is long story. I'm, I'm I, as much as I love the original Rocketeer. Um, and I get that you you have to do a reboot. I mean, it's been twenty five years since oh, yeah. the movie was out. It's not like you can hire. I mean, Timothy Dalton still looks pretty good, but um, you know, he died in the first one. So uh, you know, Billy, uh, who was the Billy Campbell? Yeah, I don't know that yes, he's Billy, uh, Billy Campbell. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you've got it. You you either have to completely reboot it or you know advance it in years where it's a sequel and a new cast. Agreed. You know, uh, and I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, and I kind of—I gotta tell you—I do kind of like the idea of a modern-day Rocketeer, and maybe it—maybe it's like an Arrow thing where there's flashbacks to old Rocketeer, you know, so you get pulp feeling plus modern feeling. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, yeah. I, I, here's the thing: I'm excited. I, I'm cautiously optimistic, I should yep. say, about the Rocketeer. Um, what I thought was interesting is that they didn't announce it during Comic Con, but I think it's because Disney didn't have much of a presence at Comic Con. Yeah, um, that's because they do their Disney like day or whatever, right, Paul? Yeah, the D twenty three. They do their Disney day, day of Disney, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> At least I remembered from last year. <laughs> um, but they did have a Marvel presence this year at San Diego Comic Con, and they 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 had some some Marvel things that were announced. Um, they apparently showed some footage from Thor Ragnarok, which I don't think has, has been shown online, but, um, they revealed that planet Hulk will have a, a part in the Thor Ragnarok movie. So rather than giving the Hulk his own movie, it's going to kind of be a buddy, a buddy movie between him and Thor, the new Thor Ragnarok movie. Well, and apparently there was a video that they played that they made just for, for Comic-Con where, um, uh, Chris Hemsworth and, Who's his face? Ruffalo. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. The Hulk. Thank you. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, to explain why they weren't in uh, uh, Civil War. So uh, apparently there, there was a lot of a lot of laughing and, and uh, you know, jocularity. Jocularity. I haven't seen it. I don't think, yeah, and I don't think it's been released to the interwebs yet, which drives me crazy. Yeah. So, I'm, I, Tim, how are you feeling about this new Thor movie? Planet Hulk. Uh, yeah, yeah. I. Uh, I don't your, know. Has your Thor love diminished? Well, it's mm. it's been slowly dying for what now two years. Yeah, but he's still the Odin son in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and Chris Hemsworth is awesome. I just I don't know. I guess I've had two full like it's Thor's movie, so I guess I should be okay with them marveling it up and making it not about the person <laughs> in the title. True. True. But. Uh, I'd much rather see another like Thor Loki movie. Well, Loki's in it, so great. So he'll be in for like two minutes. <laughs> I, you know, I I don't know. I it's not like I'm not going to go see it. It's not like I want you to imagine lethal. I I just want you to imagine you know lethal weapon right with uh, Mel you know instead of Mel Gibson and Danny Glover in the front seat, you've got 
you know, Thor and the Hulk, and in the backseat, instead of, you know, the the guy, you know, Joe okay, Pesci. Okay, okay, that guy. Joe Pesci. Pesci. Yeah, Joe Pesci. Okay, you've, Joe got, Pesci. you've got Loki in the backseat. You got Loki in the backseat saying, well, they fuck you through the drive-thru. That's what they do. They fuck you through the drive-thru. Okay, okay, whatever, whatever. <laughs> oh, That's Loki's role. God, I hated that <laughs> Joe Pesci character. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I I'm gonna go see it. Obviously, I, I love Thor, um, and Planet Hulk was one of my favorite Hulk stories. So, you know, they, they they've hit more out of the park than they've not. So, sure, we'll we'll get on board. All right, all right. Well, they also announced that Brie Larson um, from Trainwreck and uh, the most recent Room movie that was. Uh, Academy Award who material. Who who was she in Trainwreck? She was her sister. I remember she had a sister, but the actress just isn't leaving an imprint on me. Okay, continue. She was also in Twenty One Jump Street and will be in the upcoming uh, Kong Skull Island. Well, I guess I'll see her in that. I did not see uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Oh, so good, Aaron. So good. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Has been cast as Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. So did they did they have any artwork for it? No. So they didn't show like anything with her like in a costume or anything like that? No, no, no. She's just been cast. I'm I I want Captain Marvel to be great. But you know, it's kind of like there there's only been one uh Cap you know, uh Ms. Marvel slash Captain Marvel series that I've enjoyed, and it was the one that uh was right around the same time as Avengers Initiative. Yeah, the uh it, I remember that one. Yeah, and, and it was it was a really good series that, that you could tell they really had their kind of finger on who the character was. I always wanted to like the Ms. Marvel series that, that the original first volume Ms. Marvel series back in the 70s, 80s. But the 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 writing just was never there. Right. Uh, and, you know, that was true of a lot of female lead comics back in that time that they just didn't have a sense of what what do you do with with a woman superhero other than have them help Batman and Superman. Um, and so I, I, and and I just, I really can't bear, and really it's got a whole lot to do with the visual than it does with the story. I just cannot bear the new costume. I hate the new costume. Yeah. And I know that they're going to do some variation of that. I just hope they, and it's, it's more her haircut than anything else. You know, her, her mohawk thing to make it fit right in the helmet just drives me batshit. (laughs) Well, hopefully they won't give Brie Larson a mohawk. Hopefully. Yeah, we can we can hope. I hope it works. I mean, I, I I've always liked the character. I love Carol Danvers, uh, and I, I want that to work. I want this story to work. Well, so Marvel also announced um, that Guardians of the Galaxy will be getting a ride at Disneyland in California. Oh yeah, uh, the, uh, the 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 Tower of Terror, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, will be rethemed to a Guardians of the Galaxy um, breakout from the collector's prison or something like that. Um, and they showed footage from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 uh, and announced that Kurt Russell would be playing Ego, the living planet. What? Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is in the movie as well, but they did not announce who he will be playing. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay. Okay, so Sly is in is in the Marvelverse now. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Everyone's got to be somewhere. Yeah, all of Hollywood will be in yeah. one or the other eventually. That's uh, right. Well, That's and right. you know, Marvel had the coup of getting both Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch 
in their in their universe because uh, Benedict is playing Doctor Strange. Um, they showed a new trailer of Doctor Strange at San Diego Comic Con. A much longer, much uh, uh, nine minutes, trailer. wasn't it? It was something. It was, it was like pretty nine, significant. Yeah. yeah, it was like nine minutes, as I understand. Um, and of course, none of the Marvel stuff has has leaked to the web yet, has it? The like, Doctor Strange seen... trailer was a, was officially released, but not the, the the full footage, just the actual trailer that's going to be right, showing right. in movie theaters. But but we haven't seen any of the Guardians footage yet, have we? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. This uh, this keeping it locked down after San Diego, I don't care for it. Yeah. Well, luckily DC said screw it. You know, yeah, after, after you. last year's debacle of Suicide Squad footage getting out, they said, you know yeah. what, we're just going to release it ourselves. Like, as I don't soon know as why we show you it. wouldn't. Exactly. I think you premiere it at San Diego, but like, you know, a couple of days later, you, you, you put it to YouTube and HD so we can all enjoy it. I wouldn't even go that far. I would pay a couple bucks to live stream San Diego Comic Con panels. I would absolutely pay a couple of bucks to live stream Hall H. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't leave the house during San Diego Comic Con if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, I. I, because I'm the guy I, I, I we've had this conversation many times. I, I'm not I'm probably never going to go to San Diego Comic Con because it's so many fucking people. It's so many lines to wait in. Yeah. So San Diego is never going to get my money uh, because I'm not going to go. But I would absolutely pay money to live stream Hall H. I'm surprised they haven't done anything like that yet. Uh, yeah. Now, I will say this year they did live stream the aliens panel, uh, the aliens reunion panel, which. I was interested in, but not enough, you know, I mean, that, that, and then I, I don't know that that was a Hall H panel, but, you know, they, they, some of these, like this upcoming um, one that I'm about to talk about, hell yes, I would have loved to have seen some of this stuff live. Um, Justice League and Wonder Woman uh, had trailers released at San Diego Comic-Con, um, the, the right. first footage of Justice League shown, and, uh, and you know, Wonder Woman has had footage shown before, but this was the first trailer, and so, Aaron, today was your first time seeing the Justice League trailer. Yeah, I've had my head up my ass all week. I didn't know those trailers were out. So, uh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul told me this morning. I'm like, what? Okay, uh, Justice League trailer's hot. Oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, number one, it, it, there's a reason for for uh, Batman not to be wearing the costume. I like him going around and putting the gang together, and it, it follows up immediately to the end of Batman versus Superman, where you know he resolves that he's got to put all these guys together that he's he's become aware of. Um, I, I think it looks great, and you know, as as one would expect, I think the weak link in that uh, trailer is Cyborg. <laughs> that uh, the the Cyborg thing just looks terrible, but the rest of it, I mean, I love just the few moments you get to see between uh, Bruce Wayne and Arthur Curry. That looks yeah. great, and you know, Bruce Wayne getting his digs in. So I hear you talk to fish. <laughs> there's a lot of charisma and humor in that trailer i love the moments yeah. between him and wonder woman i mean it, yeah. they, they really you know they, they said we listened to the people after batman versus superman and, and went light more light with it and i thought that was clearly evident in the trailer front and center and, and that's why grant gustin is if no no he's not i like this guy though i, I liked I him more than i thought i would I don't need this guy. <laughs> I have a flash. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, have you watched the Ultimate Edition yet of Batman versus Superman? Yes, I was just about to ask you the same thing. Well, I finished it last night, and I gotta tell you, I think Warner's made a huge mistake in not releasing that as their as their theater cut. I think here's the thing. I understand why they didn't, because you know, you show a, a three hour movie is it's a stupid long movie. It's it's long and it's less showing, so less money. And I get why they had to cut stuff, but damn, it's so much better. 
Well, they cut the wrong stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the movie that I watched, it's not a perfect movie. It's not even a great movie, but I enjoy the hell out of Ultimate Edition uh, and did not, cannot say the same about what I saw in the movie theater. Yeah. You know, I, I've heard people say, well, I hated the theatrical edition, but I loved the Ultimate Edition. And here's the thing. It's not a totally different film, but it is fleshed out more. Scenes make sense. Scenes make sense. And the pacing is so much better because the 30 minutes isn't one, isn't in chunks. It's, it's a couple of shots here, a couple of seconds there, a a minute here. And it just helps with the pacing and the story so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I, I completely dug, uh, the ultimate edition. Yeah. And I agree. I, I feel like they would have had a lot less of an issue had they released that edition. Yeah, mm-hmm. You still could have cut out the, the, the F-bomb and Ben Affleck's ass. Um, <laughs> that still probably wasn't needed. Uh, but you certainly, uh, you know, that, that it, is a, it is a better movie. Yeah, it does give you a rated R Batman versus Superman. I'm highly disappointed that uh, that did not equate to, uh, you know, naked Lois Lane bath scenes. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was expecting we were going to see, you know, a little bit more Lois than perhaps we have seen before. But uh, not the case. No, I think they Damn still knew. You. They still knew they were filming <laughs> Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I did really enjoy it. I mean, I was and. The the added scenes, and this is what I found interesting about it, is that I do feel that just adding that that little bit of room for the movie to breathe enhances the emotional impact of the film. Absolutely. You know, I you you get a much stronger sense of who Clark is. I mean, in that movie, you get a a, a tremendous sense of who Batman is, right? You, yeah. you you know where Bruce Wayne is, but in the theatrical version, I don't think you get that much room to breathe with Superman. And it's really important because, you know, it is, quote, a sequel to Man of Steel. Yeah. And, you know, if if Superman sacrifices the big dramatic moment of that film, you need to feel that emotional weight. And in the theatrical cut, I didn't. In the ultimate edition, I did. You know, and to your point, I think I kind of think 75 percent of the stuff that was deleted was Superman related. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, 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 like they kept all the Batman stuff. But the Superman stuff is what they trimmed out of the film. The Superman Clark Kent stuff. Completely agree. So, Paul, you think the Ultimate Edition is pretty good, right? Yes. So I think it is, too. And, hey, I think it's time for a contest. I have a brand new sealed uh, Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition Blu-ray inclusive of the theatrical release Blu-ray and the Ultimate Edition DVD. So it's a three-disc set. And uh, here are the contest rules. First, you must be 18 or, or older to enter and be considered as a, as a winner. The, uh, the contest is go to iTunes, write a review, do a screenshot, and email it to us at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at uh, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And just tell us your thoughts about uh, about uh, the upcoming slate of Marvel and DC movies. Ooh, very exciting. And so, uh, U.S. residents only, right? I'm sorry? U.S. residents only? That is correct. And I'll, I'll put the rules in the show notes this week. Uh, so, you know, hurry up, get out there, and enter, and you could be the proud owner of the Batman versus versus Superman Ultimate Edition Blu-ray. Woo, woo! And guess what? We're still not done with the show. There's so much oh, more to talk crazy about. Talk. 
that's, that's crazy talk. But that's all we're giving away. So yeah, that is correct. Well, we're also giving away Wayne. Hashtag week. <laughs> Um, since we're talking about batman versus superman did you guys see that uh they had the first promotional image of uh supergirl's superman tyler hocklin i think i like him i i I think he looks great in the costume um when 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 did they cast ed grimley for superman (laughs) when did when did that happen i i have seen more photos um the, the, you know, some paparazzi photos. And I will say the paparazzi photos are a lot more flattering than the promotional photo. I thought the promotional photo made him look a little too thin. A little. Um, I didn't a little bit. But I, I think he looks good in the costume. I liked it. So the, 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 the only thing the promotion, the paparazzi photos did show me, though, is as I, I haven't seen Supergirl, but I, I was aware that Jimmy Olsen was a, an African-American man in the show. Um, but the the. The paparazzi photos. He is also taller than Superman. Seems <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not right. That's, that's, that's pretty terrible. Right. Yeah. yeah, when you see Clark Kent walking by Jimmy Olsen, Jimmy Olsen, hey, he's a tall dude. Yeah. <laughs> now, now listen, I yeah. didn't like it, but since I'm solutions oriented, I have a solution to this problem. So Supergirl's on the WB now, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, then they've got Brandon Routh on speed dial, don't they? Yeah, but he's uh-huh. already yeah. cast as the Atom. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny, though? Wouldn't that be just a wink? Just a wink to everybody. You look an awfully lot like Superman. Do I? That's weird. And you can have, because it's in a different universe, it's already been established, right? So, I mean, you could just have, like, in Legends of Tomorrow, Legends of Tomorrow, they can cross over, meet each other. You know, I I like my solution, but to be honest, it's not a show I'm not going to watch anyway, so it's, (laughs) it's cool that they got Superman. I think this it's week funny. is when they start uh, the Supergirl uh, from the beginning on the CW, so I, I will probably yeah. be checking it out. I uh, I have nine episodes of Supergirl I haven't watched yet on my on my DVR. I have twenty. They will they will remain there until next man. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> uh, so, did you guys watch the Justice League Dark trailer that was released this week as well? I did not see a Justice League Dark trailer this week. I have a job, Paul. Yeah, really. <laughs> Paul, what are you doing all day? Beer school. Beer school and trailer <laughs> school. Well, I got to study for beer school. I got a paper. I got a drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so um, we talked last week about the uh, San Diego Comic-Con announcements of the upcoming DC animated slate of movies, including Justice League Dark, Titans, Judas Contract, and um, the Batman Harley movie. And so the first trailer for Justice League Dark came out um, because it's going to be, you know, the first look featurette that's going to be on the upcoming Batman Killing Joke Blu-ray and DVD uh, was released online. And I am sad to say that it actually takes place in that New 52 universe. Um, so it does feature some of the the Justice League that we've gotten to know in those New 52 films that, you know, with those redesigns. Um, now, it focuses on this team, but it does it, it does take place within that universe that we're not really fans of. Um, but one thing that I did think was interesting is that they did get Matt Ryan, um, who played Constantine on television, to play Constantine in the movie. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, the film does look good. You know, it has Swamp Thing, Constantine, Etrigan. Um, looks like it's kind of a... Uh, a combination of stories that were presented in Demon Knights and uh, Justice League Dark from the New Fifty Two, and both yeah. of w- both of which are books I liked. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, features the House of Secrets, things like that. So I, I am looking forward to the film. I just, 
I was hopeful it would stand on its own. But then again, it is a story, and the book itself was part of the New 52 universe, so. But I'm excited for that. I think that'll be good. Yeah, I am too. I wish they had shown the featurette when we saw Batman the Killing Joke in theaters this week. Um, So we talked last week about Batman the Killing Joke, the biggest Fathom event ever. Ever. Uh, Ever. And it made uh, combined between the... So they expanded it to a second night, but they did that at the last minute. Um, So I don't remember... I don't know how much it made on the second night, but in the first night it made three point something million dollars in one evening. That's crazy Um, for for an animated film. For an animated film. And and it's not a Pixar film. No. Uh, And I will say my showing was definitely sold out. There was a seat open to my right and a seat open to my friend's left, uh, but it was a full theater. I moved over so somebody could, you know, so someone who um, came in a little later than me could sit together. And I regretted doing that. that. Fuck that guy. I regretted doing that because they had not seen the film (laughs) or they had not read the book. (laughs) So Uh when when shocking things would happen, they'd be like, what? What is going on? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's hysterical. So, Aaron, I, I'm I'm sad that Weak Wayne can't be here to uh, to chat about this with us because I'm curious to hear his thoughts. But you back- know what his thoughts are. Come on, let's be fair. Did he? I bet you he liked it. And I, really? I think Aaron liked it too. Aaron, did you like the Killing Joke? So, yeah, I did. I I I I didn't love it, uh, but I did like it, and I, I liked it largely because Mark Hamill performed the hell out of that role. Mark Hamill was freaking brilliant in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, much of, now I think it's important to note if you're, if you're not somebody who's seen the film, there's two portions of the, of the movie. There is a portion that is not the first portion of the movie is not part of the killing joke graphic novel as written by Alan Moore and illustrated by Brian Boland. It is a new piece of story that was added to the film. Keep in mind, the killing joke story is actually a rather short story. It's only about 55 pages or so. It was a prestige format. It wasn't a graphic novel or anything. Yeah, it was a, it was a one shot. And so, uh, I know that in the edition that I have the hardcover, I have, they've added a newer story by Brian Boland to the end, uh, to beef up the size of the book, but it's a, it's a rather short story. And so I was curious as to how they were going to make this an 80, 90 minute film when, uh, the, the, the content itself is so short. So the way they do that is they add about a 25, 30 minute story to the front end of the film. Mm-hmm. And that story is about Batgirl. And on the one hand, you think, hey, this is – that's a really good idea because that could probably uh, address some of the concerns that many have had about the the Barbara Gordon spoilers shooting in The Killing Joke uh, in that – you know, uh, there are those who say, you know, that, that Barbara is only present in the story to uh, – to be hurt, to be victimized, so as to spur on the two main, the the two protagonist male characters in the film or in the story, Jim Gordon and Batman. Um, the problem is for those people is that the Batgirl story at the beginning of the movie doesn't do that. In fact, it fans the flames. It pours gas on the fire uh, because Batgirl is three years into the job. And is not nearly as proficient as you think she might be. Uh, she allows her feelings and emotions to overwhelm her. She acts like an immature person uh, in, in what becomes again, – again, spoilers. Can I spoil this, Paul? Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> spoilers when uh, she bangs Batman. And uh, D- DC already spoiled that online, so yeah. we're not. Um, <laughs> now, I got to say that there are there are things that that bugged me about that opening story about Batgirl. I am not a person who subscribes to the 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 complaint about Barbara Gordon and the original killing joke story. Um, I just think the story is what the story is. That was the story the writer was going to tell. And I don't think it could have been, it could have been a male character in that role and it would have been the same story. It wasn't a male character because at that time, Jason Todd had already died. Right. And so there wasn't a reason to have uh, a Robin killed. Plus if you're trying to engage the Jim Gordon character, it seems to me a fair point to, uh, you know, hurt somebody important to Jim Gordon. Right. Yes. Again, I don't I don't see that as misogyny. I know other people do and I respect their point of view about it. I don't see it. Um, but I I do object to the manner in which Batgirl is portrayed in the first part of the film. Um, I, I just she we have seen her be much more competent than that in other uh, Batman stories, other Batgirl stories. Um, I, I think you could have achieved the same story and endear the character and make viewers feel the connection to Barbara Gordon so that when she is victimized, um, you know, you feel that punch and you feel that rage. Because really, that's the intent, right? Is yeah. that you, you, you want the audience to, to uh, identify with Jim Gordon and with Batman when that happens. I'm not sure. I, I don't believe that that's what they accomplished. And I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised at Bruce Tim about that because he's a better storyteller than that. But that said, you know, there, there, I, I had some concerns about the animation style at the first part of the film. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the animation in the at first 30 minutes was near as strong as the animation for the Killing Joke core component. Uh, but there is one scene where Batgirl looks like Batgirl to me. It's where, where she's running across the roof. And she's got that very Batman the Animated Series look where she's kind of hopping as she runs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know about you, Paul, but I was like, yes. And then the rest of that story happens. Couldn't stand the villain in the first part. Uh, and I know I sound very negative, but when Mark Hamill shows up in the film, uh, it is it is brilliant. It is in many places a scene for scene uh, reinterpretation of – the killing joke. You know, there are there you if you come back, I, I opened up the, the, the book when I got back home and was looking and, and comparing. I mean, there are many things that are just scene for scene. The card scene between the guy uh, impersonating the Joker at the beginning of the film and Batman is great. Uh, the I mean, there are many just scene for scene interpretations. And I got to tell you, Paul, I love the musical number. I love the musical number. And Mark Hamill is just brilliant in the movie and how many times have you read that joke at the end of the book and mark hamill sells it i mean i was cracking up in the theater yeah it was funny yeah you know for me going back to the the beginning sequence right or the the prequel whatever you want to call it yeah uh the background prequel i was fine with it It, while it was rather generic there was nothing really interesting about it it was fine right um and I was fine. I was even fine with Batgirl and Batman sleeping together. What I was. F- oh, they weren't sleeping, Paul. <laughs> you know what sleeping. I meant. Having sex. <laughs> um, what I wasn't fine with was how she was portrayed after that. 
which yeah, was no. that she became needy and upset and it, and it affected her ability to fight crime and that is not the character that they that that right. is that is not even the background that they introduced in that storyline it um, reminded me of austin powers uh when dr evil and uh and uh who's her face sleep together and it's the day after and they're 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 over at the craft services table and it's like it got weird, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, it's, yeah. it's in, and her character goes through this um, emotional roller coaster after. And I get it. You know, they're, they're trying to show um, human emotions and, and a human interaction. And, and that's fine. I get it. But it just didn't work in the context of the story, primarily um, because they, they added this cork, this key component, right? This, this 30 minutes to the beginning of a film. Um, and, to your point about the film being a, a very, very faithful adaptation of Batman the Killing Joke, it is not referenced even once in the core yeah. story of the film. As soon as the Joker comes in, you know, they have the Batgirl um, sequence where she gets shot and, you know, Batman sees her in the hospital. At no point is it ever referenced. Like, this is why I quit, you know, or I saw the abyss or, you know, there, there is no reference to it in the core story. So it, it is truly its own story that doesn't add anything or to, it, it, it really should have just been, here's your beginning Batgirl cartoon. And now here's your presentation of the killing joke, because that's essentially what it was by combining them into one film that it didn't work as one cohesive piece. Um, at least for me, if they felt like they had zero to do with each other, other than I get what they were trying to do, give more Batgirl component, give more Batgirl story to, to, to feed the emotional impact. But when the two stories feel as disconnected as they did, it didn't add anything for me. Uh, I, I, I see what you're saying. It did not bother me like it did you, but you're absolutely right. The, the two stories feel very separate, mm -hmm. right? Uh, my, I, one of my other complaints is that you know, the killing joke is all about the Joker. Everybody else is a supporting character. Even yes. the, even your two protagonists, Batman and Jim Gordon, really are secondary to uh, Joker. My objection to the film is if you go to the trouble of getting Kevin Conroy, Con Kevin Conroy give him something to do. He has one, maybe two pieces of meaningful dialogue in that film. The, the first piece is not even opposite Mark Hamill. It's where he's talking to the guy impersonating the Joker. Yeah. And then at the very end, he's got he, he does get to work against Mark Hamill, but very little. Otherwise, Kevin Conroy is just yes, no, yes, you know. Uh, and so I would think that if you're going to do this story at the beginning, yeah, absolutely. Batgirl should be the center of that story. But give Batman more to do. Give Kevin Conroy something to say that's meaningful, that's quotable, that's that's memorable. Because, I mean, Kevin Conroy really just kind of walks through that movie, not because he's a bad actor, we know that he's not, but because he just didn't have anything to do. And I just think it's a shame to put, to have this iconic actor reprising his role and not giving him something more meaningful to do. Yeah, I mean, he, he'll, he'll come out of this unscathed, mind you, because he's Kevin Conroy and he is Batman. But there was, I, I didn't get a sense of anything. You know, it, 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 you know, like you said, he, he walked through the role because there wasn't really much for him to do. And that is the way the killing joke is written. And I get that. It, yeah. it is the Joker's story. Um, but when you had that additional piece at the beginning, I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm being harsh on the film. And overall, I liked it. But the things but I, I think I texted Aaron the next day or maybe even that evening. And I said it was a swing and a miss for me because as much as it worked, there were a couple of things they got wrong and they were important enough that. 
you know, it, it, it took away from the film for me. It wasn't, you know, the, you know, the, they, the, the minor things made so much of a difference. And well, I, I had said that it was kind of a panel for panel recreation. Uh, but one thing that they shied away from at the end of the movie is, you know, there, there is that question that's open for interpretation is does Batman kill the Joker at the end of the story? Mm-hmm. Right. And so in the the book, the the reason why you think that is because in one of the very last panels that you see before the the camera shifts to the raindrops hitting the water is, you know, Batman and Joker are laughing at this joke that the Joker has just told. And they're, they're kind of sharing a moment and you see Batman reach for him. Right. And that's in the comic, the, the Brian Boland, Alan Moore comic. Yeah. In the film, he doesn't reach for him. He does. But he puts, I did not. It, it's very brief, but he puts his hand. Oh, because, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. You, you're, you, yeah. As the pant camera starts panning down, Batman reaches for him. Um, but it looks like he's going to put his hands on his chest. It doesn't look so much like he's going to choke. Yeah, him. no, it looks it looks like a <laughs> you know, like you, you you lean on your friend as you're enjoying a joke. Right. Yeah. And it the Joker look- does stop laughing and Batman keeps laughing. So they, they, they still try to keep the ambiguity of it, but it wasn't as successful as it was in the comic book. In the comic, it is very threatening. I mean, yeah. it's not intensely threatening, but you can tell that Batman is it. This is not a friendly, gra- you know, grabbing him and Batman's laughing. So the, the manner in which he's grabbing him is almost like Batman's losing his mind a little bit. Yeah. And that, that, that is lost a little bit in the end of the film. And I appreciate that they tried. Um, but they, it, it was uh, to, to, to what I was saying earlier, close, but not quite. Yeah. Um, and for me, they had a, so had they ended the film there, I would have, you know, I would, that would have been my only quibble, you know, with the ending, but then halfway into the credits, they have the scene where Barbara Gordon rolls up in her wheelchair and reveals herself to be Oracle. And that just pissed me off. <laughs> Why'd that piss you off, Paul? It just pissed me off because the whole point of the killing joke is to leave you with a sense of ambiguity and dread. And did Batman lose his mind and go crazy? Is you know, yeah. like you read the killing joke and and you come out of it and you come out of it feeling feeling sad, feeling upset. Right. Um, you know, and, and I feel like you know, like had the movie ended the way it did, even though it wasn't perfect, it would have been fine. But then when you show this hopeful sunshiny Batgirl sequence where she's Oracle now and everything's going to be okay. It, it took away from that moment. And you know, it's, it's almost like they wanted you to leave the theater feeling okay, not feeling sad, not feeling upset. Yeah. No, I, the, there were many aspects of the film that were misguided and the most misguided elements were the new elements, you know, the Oracle piece at the end, the Batgirl story at the beginning. And I think they were well-intentioned, but, you know, if you're if you're not comfortable telling this just really kind of hopeless tale, you know, this just it, it's a tragedy. Right. Yeah. It is just, you know, this is I, I you know, when you look at Shakespearean tragedy, you what's the tragic flaw? Because there is a tragic flaw to the protagonist that results in these situations. There is something that they have done that they could have avoided the tragedy. And Batman's tragic flaw is that he's known all along. That that Joker is going to continue until one of them is dead, right? Yeah. And if that, if you know that to be the case, why haven't you taken care of it before? That's the tragic flaw. And the fact that Batman hasn't done that, Joker is able to do the things that he did in this film, in this story. 
And, you know, that's the tragedy. But you don't throw on the sunshiny happy. But it's not all bad. It's not all tragic. Yeah, see, Barbara's <laughs> going to be OK. Well, yeah. no. And, you know, the whole point is that the, at the end of the book, no one feels like they're going to be OK. Right. Um, no, because horrible things have happened to everybody in the film. Yeah. And it undoes yeah. that with a 30 second yeah. piece of footage that yeah. for me just really, really unnecessary. Unnecessary. So, I, again, I really enjoyed the parts with Mark Hamill. Um I, I do think and this is this is I, I, I feel like it was time well spent in the movie theater. I enjoyed it more than I, more than I disliked it. But here's the thing. I don't intend to buy the disc. I don't either. Uh, um, I, and I, I, you know, I buy the, the DC animated features when they come out because I, I, I enjoy them and I rewatch them. Now that I've seen this, I don't think I need to rewatch it again. And I'm the, I'm on the I'm on the fence I should say you yeah. know because I feel like I should because I do own all the DC animated features but at the same time this one really isn't that good yeah um, and, the, and I, the, it's not one I shouldn't say it's not that good it's not one I'm going to rewatch if I was going to rewatch it I would not watch the Batgirl uh, uh, prequel as you call it mm-hmm. nor would I watch the end credits I would wa- just watch the Killing Joke because again my friends Mark. Hamill is brilliant in the role. He is, if he doesn't do another Joker performance, he has gone out on a high note because his p- performance in this film is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't sell it enough. The and again, the I I, I have not yet bought the the soundtrack, but I will. Um, the uh, the the musical number, you know, uh, Looney or Let's Go Looney or whatever it is, yeah. uh, is just amazing i'll be honest with you those are the panels that i just kind of skim across in the book because yeah. that's what i hate reading music <laughs> in a book you know somebody singing lyrics to me but wow it works so well in the movie mm-hmm. you know it is storyboarded brilliant brilliantly um it is just really sharp and uh i you know if you haven't seen it i i recommend you know just fast forward to the to the to the actual killing joke elements yeah, or watch it separately almost. I mean, they are two separate pieces, and I feel like they would have worked better separately than together. Well, I I did not care for the opening Batgirl story. And largely, I, I Batgirl should never be beaten or challenged uh, by some – and really, she's beaten by this guy. Yeah. He defeats her because she's, she stops being Batgirl, right? Yeah. Um, even though that he winds up going to jail – he beats her because she stops being Batgirl, and she, he is she is beaten by somebody who's really just a common organized crime guy. Yeah, not not one of the the uh, you know rogues gallery of, of Batman, but you know some chump that we've never seen before, uh, and that that more than anything irritated the shit out of me. Yeah, I and agree. the fact that that he beats her not because he's a better criminal than than uh, she is a hero, but because he's sexually attracted to her and he objectifies her. And that, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're rubbing salt, salt in the wound of the already existing, you know, story. I know. I'm sorry. We're rehashing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I like the killing joke parts. All right. So, let's talk about a couple of comics that came out this week. We, we do that still? Well, every once in a while, we try to throw in a comic <laughs> or two. All right. I, I guess that's certainly a way to go. <laughs> well, Tim's here. So, we got to talk about some comics that Tim read. Tim, Please. It's always about Tim. <laughs> Tim this, Tim that, Tim, Tim, Tim. So, Tim, Detective Comics number 937 came out this week from James Tinian IV. And, um, you know, the, the the creative team there of Alvo, Alvaro Martinez on pencils and Raul Fernandez on inks. 
Um, you know, this is the fourth part of Rise of the Batman. We we talked uh, a bit at length about um, last issue's uh, controversial reveal that Batgirl's father was in on it. And so, what did you think of of, of part four? Oh, I'm I'm really digging this story. Um, I think it's interesting to have somebody who's part of the family be the bad guy for once. Because usually the, the family is about inclusion and everybody's in on it and working together, even when they get angry and separated. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, you know, there's nothing not to like about this, I don't think, because it has a lot of the nostalgia characters that I want to see, like Red Robin and Orphan. And I've never been a big uh, fan of, of Batwoman. But I'm really digging her character as I've gotten to read these last few issues. Um, I, I think it's interesting to see how she makes different decisions than than Batman would have made by you know when she reveals to the team the whole the whole problem that's going on. And uh, I love I love the Tim Drake uh, reveals about how he is still kind of the smartest guy in the room in in most of these <laughs> situations. Um. I like that the army's got their own little version of him who's like reverse engineering everything as uh, as time goes on. And the fact that even though Batman was was captured, he's still Batman, right? So he finds a way to almost get out of it before the team shows up. I think one of my favorite Batman scenes uh, in recent memory is the first page of this book where they've got Batman captured and they're cataloging the contents of the utility belt. And it's like he's it's not like Batman's wearing a utility belt as much as he's wearing a TARDIS belt. Yeah, because there's so much (laughs) shit in it. Like, And they just keep pulling out batteries. How many of these things are in here? (laughs) And, and, you know, they're they're pulling out all the different syringes and whatnot. They're like, well, we don't know what this is. We're going to do a whole toxicology screen on on all the all these, uh, you know, syringes of, of stuff that Batman has in here. And, you know, they've got him in there and they haven't taken his his mask off because the mask is wired to an internal computer in the suit. Uh, that will you know lock down everything if the the mask is separated without the appropriate code, which I which I think is kind of brilliant, by the way. Yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, so they've got him captured, but they've got his utility belt, so that's fine. And then they're like, wait, what's he doing with his mouth? And you know, you know, Batman's got something, you know, got got a fake tooth. You know, they're like, fuck. <laughs> 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 it, just, it, it just cracks me up because, like Tim says. Batman is Batman. I mean, he he is very Batman in this book. Yeah, and that first and, sequence uh, is, I, is so so incredibly Batman. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it, I I am loving this Detective Comics run. Yeah. I, I like I like the cast of characters on the the Batman team that Batwoman's coaching, uh, and I like how I, you know I really wasn't expecting to get quite so much Batman in this book. When the book was announced, I really just thought it would be Batwoman leading this team. And, you know, Batman would be off in the shadows. But we are getting some just quintessential Batman in the story. And I'm loving every bit of it. It, it is a yeah. great story. And if you are not picking up Detective Comics, it is, for now, the strongest Batman book on the market, I think. I, I completely agree. Um, so, highly recommend checking out Detective Comics 937. Less of a recommendation... Is Nightwing number one? 
for me, anyway. Um, so Nightwing number one, we did not care for the rebirth issue very much. No, um, but there, you know, but we we understood that it was just a transition from from Grayson to Nightwing, and so Nightwing number one comes out uh, featuring part one of Better Than Batman, written by Tim Seeley with art by Javier Fernandez. And so um, what has happened is Grayson or Dick Grayson, who was undercover in Spiral, spent, um, you know, a number of years uh, un- unraveling that that um, covert organization um, and has now regained his secret identity and, and has gotten out of being undercover is now undercover again with the Court of Owls, basically the same storyline, but with the Court of Owls. And at least now he can wear the Nightwing costume. And as soon as I read that, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Right. It is the same story, just with the Nightwing costume. And I know, I'm sure it'll be different, but yeah, the, I, I, like, why can't we just get Nightwing being Nightwing? Why does he have to be undercover all the time? Yeah, I didn't care for it either. And I got to tell you something that bugs me. Um, in the original uh, uh, pre-New 52 universe, Dick Grayson is actually younger than Barbara Gordon. Yes. In, in these pages, he seems much older. And I say much older, a couple of years older. Than Barbara Gordon, um, and I, I got to tell you, it makes me uncomfortable. Their relationship, uh, it, it's he seems almost dirty old man approaching someone who seems like they're just out of their teens. See, and to me, I feel that that is um, part of the reinvention of Barbara Gordon. I don't. I, I think she is portrayed as young because of her costume and 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 all that now. But I don't think that is how she actually is. I think that's just you know. Uh, yeah, I, I I I see your point. Um, I just think. I don't think I she's a different Barbara Gordon. She's just portrayed younger. Yeah. Um, is it just me or did the pages I, uh, read like they were out of order to you? Yes. Yeah, because they're, they're doing some uh, jumping back and forth, but it's not clear that that's what they're doing. So it did feel like maybe it wasn't uh, like maybe the editor didn't put all the pages in the correct order. Yeah, I was like, maybe something's yeah. wrong with the digital copy and some of these pages are out yeah. of order because it truly reads like it's out of order. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I it is not a very strong book. I'm going to go ahead and pick up the next issue, but if the next issue doesn't bring it home for me, I'll probably be out. Really? I'm that, out. I'm out. That saddens it. me because I, I do, I do love Nightwing I and love I just, I, I need him to be better. Yeah. I need him to be better. And I just, I'm not interested in the story they're telling. And here's the thing. I like Nightwing. So. I like the court of owls. I don't want to see Nightwing undercover again. Uh, and this book just wasn't the fun Nightwing that I want. You know, this is, this is not the Nightwing that I'm interested in reading. Um, and, and, and I should, I mean, let me clarify. It's not just about it not being the Nightwing that I want to read. It's just not a very good book. <laughs> um, it, 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 the, the writing is not very yeah. strong. Yeah. And, I, and I like Tim Seeley, but the book does not flow. It is disjointed. Like we said, it reads out of order. The art didn't impress me. It's really just not a very good first issue. So, Paul. Yes, sir. What did you think of Wonder Woman? Holy shit, this book was great. <laughs> On the yeah, flip side, not- holy shit, this book was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is a gorgeous book. Uh, continuing the story by Greg Rucka and uh, Sharp. yeah, uh, the you know, we have a modern day story and a, uh, you know, that, that's running in the odd numbered issues and the uh, uh, origin story, the Wonder Woman year one running in the even numbered issues. And this was one of the odd numbers. So it's modern day uh, Wonder Woman trying to find the mascara. And she's, you know, wandering through the jungle, you know, trying to talk to Cheetah to help her find the mascara. And meanwhile, you've got some other shit going on with Steve Trevor tracking down uh, some bad guys who kidnapped a whole village full of girls, you know, ripped from the headlines. 
And it uh, is a fantastic story. It is just fantastic. It is fantastic. It is beautifully drawn by Liam Sharp. Um, and Aaron, I, because we get the variant covers, this is the Frank Cho variant cover that was the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Where they oh, cropped, really? They, where it's cropped to cut off Wonder Woman's ass. Wow. I, yeah. You know, I, I can see now that you pointed out, I can see what they did there. But it doesn't the the uh, the existing image is still a great cover. It is. So, but yeah, Wonder Woman number three. I God, I loved this book. I loved this book more than I thought I was going to, uh, because I did not care for that first rebirth issue. But this was a really good issue. Yeah. No, this this is a strong series. I'm enjoying both the even and the odd stories, and uh, I I just I hope Greg Rucka stays on for a while. You know, he is sometimes a guy who doesn't stick around. He does his arc and goes. Yeah, uh, and I'm hoping he I'm hoping he sticks around to to continue telling these Wonder Woman stories because wow, he's rocking it. Yeah. Well, yeah. one guy I hope never leaves a book is Dan Jurgens on Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Action Comics, Action Comics nine sixty man. And this is another example of uh, when the Action Comics book was pitched, I thought it was going to be a Lex Luthor book. Me too. I did too. <laughs> and this is very much a Superman book. In fact, in this issue, very little Lex Luthor. And maybe we'll get sure back to it. it. <laughs> so, Tim, <laughs> you, you sound like you have feelings on this. Let's Let's talk about your feelings. This is a really good Superman book. I don't want a Superman. <laughs> I'm so annoyed that I like this. <laughs> the, um, I, you know, the, this book was fantastic. I, I can't, and you know, maybe it is because it's Dan Jurgens, and that's the last time I really dug a Superman book. But like when he, when he feels like his son is the target, that's the most like, I don't know. It's when, when it's when shit finally got real, right? Like I, you know, he tries to help people, and he's all about being, you know, the the boy scout. And then it's like, oh, that's exactly what this thing's gonna go do. Yeah. And uh, I've never felt more moved by a super. It's it's so it's so goddamn good. The art's fantastic. The. It, but man, did I want Lex Luthor's Superman book. <laughs> So I feel I'm like torn. that's coming, though. I mean, I, I do feel like it's coming. Um, but, you know, to, to, you kind of need to draw the people in first, I think. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's coming because they, they did set up all this Lex Luthor stuff. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's got to be coming at some point as, as a main character. And that's cool. But then I wouldn't get this book. Like, I want both now. <laughs> <laughs> There is a there was a, a moment in the book, you know, Lois Lane is figuring shit out, you know, back on the farm at the same time that Superman's figuring shit out in Metropolis. And they're both figuring out at the same time that Doomsday is on his way to get John because Doomsday hunts Kryptonians. And <laughs> I was cracking up because in my mind, I don't know why I was doing this, but I was reading Lois Lane as a Bostonian. And, and you know, so, so she she's, you know. When she's figured it out and she's trying to get, you know, uh, John, their son, into the car before Doomsday gets there. And she's she in my mind, I'm reading it as get in the cry. What? Get in the goddamn cry. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me so much. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Get in the get in the goddamn cry. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, you're not even a little sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think things tickle me. It's not even on the page, and it tickled me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even there. Get in the goddamn car. Get in the car. Um, yeah, so this is a great book. Um, I, I will say the art was a little weak for me. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the art was not uh, uh, shining or, or you know, particularly exemplary. It serviced the story. Um, it is a style I don't much care for, but the story is so good. The pacing is so good. And I will say that the story is well laid out. The, the action flows well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the, the, the story is the, the visual story is well represented. It's just the style didn't, didn't work for me, but that's okay. I, 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 I loved this book. Mm-hmm. All right. And you know, here's the, here's the deal, Paul, the Superman books that, uh, that, our Superman shows up in. I'm not talking about that new uh, that new Superman book. Yeah. I'm talking about Superman and action comics. They're both fantastic books. Yes, they are. Oh. Ah, God, I just love this stuff. So, I read a couple of other books uh, this week, a couple of other DC Rebirth birth books, and I'm just going to say they all sucked. Um, <laughs> I read... Uh, Bat- well, that's easy. <laughs> I read... Yeah. I read Batgirl number one, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number one, and Titans number one, and all three were failures uh, for me on a writing scale. Batgirl was well drawn, uh, but the other two were also failures for me on a, an art scale um, as well. I just, um, you know, Titans, we, we the same issues we had in the Rebirth books uh, for Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, which is that the story just... Um, it just wasn't interesting enough to draw me in. Um, you know, the, the Sinestro pieces were the best pieces of it. Uh, same same criticisms I have of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number one. Titans, number one. Um, it's just not a very good book. Uh, it is, and I, and I, and I, I, I want to give more description than that, but it really just isn't a very good book. <laughs> uh, just just take my word for it. Um, you know, and I under, and, and the reason I picked it up is because it, you know, features Wally West and it's about trying to uncover what's happened to the DC universe. Um, but I just need to resign myself to the fact that they're not going to reveal that in Titans. They're, you know, they're not going to reveal the Watchmen in the pages of Titans. I, I just need to, to, to get over that <laughs> and stop buying that piece of shit book because it is bad. It is um, a bad book. It is. A, and, and that breaks my heart. It's Dan Abnett right in that book, right? Yeah. 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 It breaks my heart. Love that guy. Hate that book. Yeah. And Batgirl number one, here's the thing. Batgirl number one wasn't bad. It featured Barbara Gordon overseas, um, you know, but for me, it just, it, it just wasn't interesting enough to pull me in. Um, and it, if it sounds like I'm being negative, I will say I also picked up The Flash number three, and I really enjoyed that issue. Um, so The, the Flash is, is one I am definitely sticking with. And one book that I did pick up that was free and is available free on Comixology and is a hefty 39-page book um, for free is Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad Special Edition um, number one, written by Rob Williams, art by Jim Lee and Sean Galloway. Um, and uh, it, it is, it's a, an, a, an exercise book and it's free you know, to, to build up anticipation for next week's big Suicide Squad movie release. Well, too bad we all have to wait till next week to see Suicide Squad. 
Oh, dear. Oh, darn. Uh, I'm going to see it before then, maybe. Probably. Yes. Yes. What does that mean? What do you, how could you possibly say, oh, you're, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to download some pirated movie? Paul? Oh, that sounds, that, sounds like Paul, that sounds like a Paul move. No, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so today they actually have a screening on one of the local military bases. Um, you know. So you're going to enlist in the military just so you can see a movie early, Paul? No, I'm gonna that is a, dedication. I'm going to be a guest. Of, uh, of 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 a uh, a friend who is in the military who is going to bring me on base to see Suicide Squad today. So uh, you won't fight for your country. Well, I mean, in my own way. <laughs> <laughs> in what in what way is that? Beer school? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm supporting the local economy, Aaron. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I've yeah. seen a movie for free on the. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I'm not sure how that supports the economy, Paul. <laughs> so, are you seeing it next Friday, Aaron? Uh, I will. Yeah, no, I can tell you that right now. Okay, I can tell you that right now. I am uh, traveling for work next week. Plus, it's the wife's birthday. I don't believe that Suicide Squad is a film she's going to want to see on her birthday. Oh, and actually, <laughs> next week is a bye week for us anyway on recording. So. Um, for Suicide Squad, I'm going to see it today, and so by the time this podcast is up, there will likely be a video review on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ideologyofmadness, um, where I will uh, give my thoughts on the film, and then we'll all get back together in two weeks to talk about it. Very exciting. As for what comes out next so, week, uh, don't, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But, you know, don't forget... Uh, about our Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition contest... Uh, go to iTunes, write a review, take a screenshot of it, email it to us at ideologyofmadness at gmail.com, or leave us some feedback on the hotline, the Ideology of Madness hotline, uh, 972-763-5903, and talk to us about what your thoughts are about the upcoming Marvel and or DC films. And uh, the loser, yes, there can be a loser in this contest, gets Weak Wayne. Hashtag Weak Wayne. Hashtag Weak Wayne. Yeah, and you will be responsible for providing him private duty nursing services. By the way, Wayne really enjoys a sponge bath. <laughs> <It's> his <favorite>. <laughs> So, uh, Killing Joke comes out this Tuesday if you're still interested in picking it up. And yeah. <laughs> if you're not, <laughs> we'll always be here for you. So we'll see you guys That's next right. time. Enjoy. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.